0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of PodMosh. Don't forget, uh, I do have real estate. Um, I work for a brokerage called uh, Your Team Realty. Leslie's amazing. But today, I just want to get into uh, Mrs. White. She's awesome. She's the founder of Teach in Cleburne, Texas. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more about that. Um, she gets into her thoughts about the, sh- if the uh, a possible shadow government, COVID-19, masks wearing, mask wearing, <laughs> and some um, politics today. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. Mrs. White, thank you so much for coming to talk to talk with me about all the things you post and <laughs> all your ideas. We've, we've already had a lot of conversations about, I think, you know, what we're going to be talking about. Um, but I invited you here because, man, I just I like talking. I like understanding where other people are coming from and uh, all that jazz. So, All right. Um, how many years ago was it now? So for those of y'all who, who don't know. Mrs. White was my English teacher for three years in high school.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So, when was that?
1: You're asking me to remember.
0: Gosh. How long have <laughs> you been doing that now?
1: 20 years. Oh, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Well, and then I homeschooled my kids for 20 years. So.
0: Okay. Okay, wow. Yeah. So, you did the 20 years of just homeschooling your kids or 20 years of teaching after the 20 years of homeschooling your kids? <laughs> well,
1: I homeschooled my kids for 20 years and tutored, off, you know, some... Off and on during that time, and then I started my English composition skills, and after that, so that's been another twenty years, and then of course you know I started teach Cleburne. and mm. and
0: that's what you're doing right now. Two
1: thousand thirteen, yes, I'm on I'm on the tail end of teaching. I'm on gradually uh, retiring from that. Okay, so I have two I more years. Yes, I. Okay. Own. This year, I'm just teaching Comp 2 and Comp 3. So, I'm finishing a group of students. Okay. So, next year, I'll just have Comp 3.
0: So, are you the principal of Teach?
1: I am the founder and director. Okay. Kindergarten through 12th grade, a la carte classes for homeschools. Wow.
0: So, what made you want to start an entire school like that versus just teaching Comp 1, 2, and 3? Because in in high school for me, you know, I, I think I took you 2009 through Two thousand twelve or two thousand ten, something like that. Yes, and uh, you're just doing English, you know.
1: Yes. Now, I uh, when I finished homeschooling my kids, a friend asked me to teach her teens, her homeschooled teens, English composition skills, and that's the beginning of my write write with Mrs. White classes. (laughs) I wrote my own curriculum. My students created the name. Early on, right, right with Mrs. White, are <laughs> stuck, you know. So, and I put all my materials into into three books that you you yeah. remember those. Yeah.
0: I will say the name that you chose for that. Oh, I gotta turn my phone off. The name that you chose for that um, caused me to have dyslexia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, thank you for that. <laughs> right? Yeah, but anyway, I'm just kind of a girl who walks through open doors. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a need for uh, that, that more and more homeschoolers were outsourcing classes. Mm-hmm. So I saw a need to put those classes together in one location. So after I had offered classes at CCA in mm-hmm. Cleburne, uh, they had invited homeschoolers to their campus. And then after two years, they got a new principal. He didn't think that homeschooling and private schooling philosophies mixed well. So we moved on. Mm-hmm. That's when I formed teach. Mm-hmm. And so we offer all the core subjects from kindergarten through 12th grade and numerous electives. So we hmm. seem, we're, this is our eighth year. So we're
0: wow. pretty, so what, pretty
1: well established.
0: What philosophy um, did, cause I've heard that before some people, whether it's public school, or private school, sometimes they say that the philosophies of those two don't mix well. What is it? And why do you think they are wrong or right?
1: I don't think there's any wrong or right. I think you, a parent needs to find out what works with their kid. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a very, I'm a hands-on learner, mm-hmm. kinesthetic, and very visual. And that's my approach to teaching. Um, so that for our kindergarten through fifth grade, we're very project-oriented, hands-on, movement-oriented, because they're little and they need to move and wiggle and do stuff with their hands. Um... But all of our teachers are independent contractors, so th- the way they teach is up to them as far as what works for the teacher and what works for the students. But so as far as the philosophy, um, I think all styles of teaching are suitable for whatever environment in which you're teaching. The more learnings, uh, approaches you use, the more you re- you reach more students. Now, when you're teaching at home, you can fine tune your approach to teaching to each child because it's private tutoring yeah. in your home. No matter how many kids you have, um, and Teach can do that as well because their classes are small. Mm. Um, you remember when when you were in my classes, not. In our comp three, we just had three students.
0: I loved it. It was, it was in your home on the yeah. couch. It was great.
1: I know. It was great. I love that, too. And so um, it's more intimate. And plus, mm-hmm. this is your third year with me. So we know each other and we're more relaxed. Yeah, you and, stopped
0: making me cry. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, by the time you've had me for years, I'm your mother. Right? <laughs> so, You're not um, wrong. Right. So... Um, But anyway, that's the nice thing about small classes. The teacher can individualize and they can fine tune according to what the teachers need. And I hear that from my teachers all the time at Teach. uh, But I've also heard, I had a granddaughter who went through public school and she always raved about teachers who approached whatever subject that teacher taught in several different ways. Visual, auditory, hands-on. And that really clicked with her when it happened. So you can do that in public school. You can do that in private school and homeschooling. Or a teach um, hmm. wherever you can. It yeah. just depends on whether the teacher is capable of doing that. Hmm. That's the that's the deal there. Yeah. Not everybody who has a teaching certificate has a gift for teaching.
0: Why don't you think that um, that happens more? Is it just like the the student load is is too? Like the ratios are off, you have 50 to 1 or something like that? Or
1: Well, in public school, you have a top-down heavy directives from the teacher. This is what you have to teach, when you have to teach it, and you have to move on whenever they tell you to. So you don't have the opportunity for flexibility. In at Teach Cleburne, uh, our teachers are completely autonomous. They're independent contractors. They don't move on until the kids are ready to move on. Mm. That's That's real education. So what other private schools do. I can't speak for them. I would hope that they would do the same because that's the whole point of education. Mm-hmm. If you're not there, if you're not ready to move on, then you shouldn't be moving on.
0: <laughs> yeah. So have you seen like good results from that? Oh, absolutely. Really?
1: Yes. I hear that from our students all the time, huh. especially kids who've been from public school and they come to teach. They say, wow, I understand what the teacher is saying. Hmm. I love this, and they feel welcomed and they feel safe because some of our former public school school students have been bullied, seriously bullied, hmm. so that they're so intimidated that they're fearful. When you're fearful, you can't learn. I mean, literally, your body secretes something. I can't remember that. I'm not a scientist. Probably
0: person. cortisol something.
1: <laughs> you know, and so they, their mind is is blocked. Hmm. And um, but you know, that's not the case. Teach Interesting. or in private tutoring when you make the student feel safe, because if they don't feel safe, they can't learn.
0: So with each grade, um, when it comes time to move on to the next grade, and I guess, are the, are the kids still moving at the same pace?
1: Well, of course, at, now in kindergarten through our fifth grade campus, it is graded. However, since the classes are a la carte, they take placement tests for reading and math. So you might be a second grade reader, but a third grade math student. So you'd move to another teacher. So that's the beauty of that. At the middle school, high school campus, the classes technically are not graded. The parents, there are placement tests for different, especially for the uh, English and the math, depending on the teacher. Um, So they can put them where they need to. Let's say you're 14, but you're still more of a seventh grade English level. You can be in the seventh grade English class. Hmm. So uh and and the teacher will if the teacher like I I'm, I'm thinking of one particular student in this with we call it seven eight English. And she knows this student, this is he had come from public school, he had this is the one I'm thinking who's been severely bullied. So his skills are very low. And she's going to take private time with him so that he can up hmm. m- move along and and get it, but he needs individual attention. She's and there's so to
0: much it. of that needed so yeah. much of that. Yeah, there is. And it just, it seems like it's just completely like not happening.
1: Well, when you focus on them having to take a test instead of learning, that's the result of that.
0: And that's a huge reason why. So as we were kind of talking a little bit about it before um, we came in here, um, my wife and I, we switched roles pretty much. I'm a stay at home dad now. You know, I do real estate on the side. I'm just starting to do that. Um, And she works full time at a job. And um, one of the big reasons was like, I I love school. I could probably be in school all my life. Um, I want to get my PhD, maybe neuroscience. I love the brain because we don't know jack about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I want to foster that same desire for learning in my kids. And right now, at least, I don't really see a lot of places that. Uh, will help me do that you know there might be and they might be out there (laughs) but like you know i want my son to be able to you know do a science you know looking for bugs in the backyard and identifying each bug and Mm -hmm. okay let's go to the creek okay we have a meteorology day you know a lot of things like that like Mm -hmm. i i I learned so much growing up because of homeschool um Mm -hmm. that i want to still do that for my kids you know
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely so
0: i hope Hopefully we'll get there one day.
1: Well, they can learn at their own pace, whether it's faster yeah. or slower, or yeah. they can dive into if they're really interested in something. You can go off on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a beauty. That's a real education. Yeah. You know, Thomas Edison. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was dyslexic, and his teacher said he, I heard. he said he would, that he was an idiot and he couldn't teach him, so mm-hmm. he sent him home. So his mom taught him to read. Then he she set him loose. Of course, he blew up the barn and all <laughs> kinds of things. But I almost did. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but. You know, he, she let him explore. Yeah. That's a real education.
0: Have you ever heard of uh, a book called Nature Deficit Disorder? Matra? Uh, I'm sorry, Nature Deficit Disorder.
1: Oh, no, but I'm sure there's plenty of that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so so, uh, the book, I think the actual book is called uh, The Last Child in the Woods, but it explores the topic of nature deficit disorder. And this researcher, I forgot what his degree is in. But he spent uh, years traveling the country and studying children as they play or not play in the outdoors. And he links all these trends in lack of nature in these kids lives to obesity, uh, type two diabetes, ADHD, ADD, just because kids aren't getting outside. And we've created you know these massive schools where there's no windows and where P.E. is taken away because they need more time to study towards a test. Uh You know, and that's a huge reason why we bought this house, like our backyard. We love our backyard Um, because it has, you know, how many hundreds of year old trees here with a creek in the back and a grass. And I caught a snake today and I'll show my son how to what a snake is and how to deal with it. So things like that, like Uh those disorders and the lack of nature have have directly linked to massive um, issues within uh, children.
1: Well, I completely agree with that because I think human beings are designed To live in nature and our concrete jungles, even in a small town, are very uh, inhibiting to our human growth and well-being. I think there's a lot of psychological problems with human beings, a lot of uh, unease, a lot of disease, Yeah. you know, lack of... um, opportunities because we're not out in nature. I grew up in the 50s and 60s. We spent all day outside mm-hmm. riding our bikes, playing with the neighbors, go out in the morning and, you know, come back for lunch and then go out again, come back for supper, yeah. go back outside yeah. <laughs> and come back when it's time to take a bath and go to bed. Yeah. That was my era,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you, know, a, you know, I was in junior high riding my bike all over, mm-hmm. riding into the swimming pool and kids, they look at you crazy, ride my bike walk somewhere <laughs> oh my gosh if i get kidnapped and sold into sexual slavery well that is a real issue which we don't have to talk about
0: but well so uh, was, so that was super interesting the book talks about that though not just like sexual slavery and stuff but like the the boogeyman syndrome you know uh-huh. um stranger danger yes he goes into where that came to be when it came to be and um by by healing he shows that when when the culture started saying, okay, stranger danger, don't talk to strangers, blah, blah, blah. It actually uh, decreased a, a children's ability to have a situational awareness and develop risk analysis. Ah, oh, that's very good. A- isn't that interesting?
1: Yes. And I've noticed that parents are, I call this the coddled generation. They're not allowed to fail or make mistake. Everybody's a winner. Everybody's not a winner. I mean, everybody is worthy okay everybody uh is a valued human being but not everybody wins the game not you Mm -hmm. know um so what do you think led to that i don't really know i mean i uh because
0: i guess technically the generation is like the millennial generation and and younger for me like because i'm I'm right in that so like i'm not necessarily like that but i was also raised a little differently a lot of people younger me that we know and and that are rioting. And Mm is that what you're talking about?
1: Well, okay. Let me give you an example just for me, for my class. Several years ago, I had a a young...
0: Now you're not going to get sued for this, are you?
1: No, I'm not going to say her name. (laughs) Okay. So this one girl um, was enrolled in my class. I knew her family well. So she was not a stranger to me. Okay. I want to make that fact. And so it was, I think two or three weeks into the class and she had turned in her first paper and if you remember right, it's two hour class, and a halfway through, we have a little break. They use the restroom to get a drink of water, talk, move around, whatever they want to do. And so during that break, I uh, looked through the homework and noticed that her uh formatting was off. That's just one inch margins, 12.5. Those mm-hmm. those kind of guys. That
0: brings me back. <laughs> yeah. No.
1: I mean, really not important things, but know. just fine-tuning things. Just and the way you back. said,
0: I was like, oh my gosh, where, I'm looking at margins,
1: right? So I I'm talking quietly to her. And the rest of the class is doing their thing, Ooh. talking to each other, because this is a break time, right? They're not paying one bit of attention to us. Um so You know, she sat down, we had the rest of the class. This was the end of the day, and everybody's going home. And then I'm cleaning up my classroom. Mom comes in, the mom who I know well. And she said, the girl's name is in the van crying. I said, what? What, What's the matter? Oh, she said you uh, corrected her about her homework, and everybody was listening. Okay, of course, now that's not true but it was true to the girl, mm. okay? Just because it's not true doesn't mean it's not true to that person. It's true to them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: even though it's not true, okay? So I said, well, I'll go get her and bring her up here and we'll talk about it because that's not really, nobody was paying attention. Oh, no, said mother. She's not coming back. Mm. There was no discussing it with the mother, all right? So what that mother did was handicapped her daughter from being able to resolve difficulties conflict, right? You know, had she brought her daughter up and given her the opportunity to talk to me and me talk to her so she could understand that nobody was listening. Mm -hmm. And if they did, they don't care. (laughs) Hmm.
0: Do you think that, um, the rise in social media has led to that inability to resolve conflict?
1: It could be because everything is fairly impersonal. It's really easy to not have relationships, mm-hmm. just think you have relationships, and hide out in your home.
0: Hmm. So, if if it's not social media, what, in your opinion, do you think is kind of has led to situations like that being kind of the standard? I mean, when you think about it,
1: yeah, I, I actually um, think humanity is in a crisis place. That's a whole other issue that's probably too in depth for this. Uh, uh, Mrs.
0: White, we're going to talk. So whatever you want to get into, <laughs> like, I'm totally down. <clears throat> I, just, uh, I love talking about well, crazy stuff.
1: <laughs> well, I think uh, humanity is designed to be loving and cooperative and kind and live in that kind of community in more of nature, mm. as you expressed earlier. But we have uh, strayed from that. And in our isolation, we have. Created conflict within ourselves. So there's a lot of tension and dis ease, if I can use that word. Strong verb, Mrs. Weiss. <laughs> <Yes>. Strong, verb. <laughs> Strong verb. Yeah. It's physical and a psychological. And people are not comfortable in their own skin. Hmm. Uh, and we have a crisis from everything from ADHD to autism. Mm-hmm. A lot of people blame that on vaccines and such like. That could be the case. I'm not a doctor. I can't say that. I don't have that experience with that. But we certainly have an epidemic. It's like people are not at ease with themselves. Hmm. Um, And so we have created a lot of, um, I'm missing the word there, ways to live in denial, hmm. or live in anger, uh, considering the world today, mm-hmm. that's not normal. It is not normal to be that angry, to be burning and looting and killing people. Mm. That is not normal for human beings. But there's a lot of it.
0: But but why? What is, what is the root cause? Is it a... Uh, uh morality crisis? Is it a origin? Like, are people just so angry because they don't have a standard to base everything else off of?
1: Well, if I tell you what I really believe, <laughs> it's pretty radical. Why not? <laughs> um, I think at one time in uh, humanity's history, we were, we lived in a very loving and cooperative environment. Let me just give you an example. <clears throat> I read a big co- book called um, Continuum Concept. And Con- Continuum Concept? Continuum Concept, hmm. okay? Uh, a, I can't remember what her degree was. She was some kind of scientist. Anyway, through a course of events, she was able to observe a very primitive tribe in the Amazon jungle. She spent a number of years doing that, and what the thing she noticed was that everything was peaceful, everything, everybody was cooperative, they were kind, she almost never heard a baby cry. So she determined to observe them and find out why. This is what she discovered. That when babies were born, they were immediately strapped to the mother, skin to skin. And they did not leave her, rarely. If they were not on her, they were on dad or big sister hmm. or Aunt Susie. That baby lived at the level of the mom. Okay. So they were seeing life from the adult's perspective.
0: So, like separation anxiety, that's what you're saying?
1: Partly. Anyway, so that skin to skin is essential. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the baby was taken care of, all its needs met, slept with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And because the baby was nursed, that's a natural uh, birth control. So they weren't having mm-hmm. kids every year or every two years. Okay. Maybe every four or five, maybe every six, depending. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you, they got all their needs met and they were completely secure and at ease with themselves. Even when they got to crawling, she noticed they would crawl around. They'd never get in the fire. They'd never go outside the camp. And nobody was necessarily watching them because they were completely safe and they observed life. And nothing was expected of them. The whole village, mm. you know, they loved those children. They could do no wrong. So they grew up to be very well-adjusted human beings. They weren't competitive. They didn't feel like they needed to be better than someone else. That was the nature of the community. You will see that. Across the globe in very primitive communities, Um, the um, Bush, I think it's the Bushmen of of, uh, Australia Mm -hmm. are like that, but they've been greatly contaminated by Western culture. That's like
0: a tribalism, right? The tribalism mindset of even tribal government, right? It's kind of like everybody works together. It's almost like a micro-socialism.
1: But the key is that long-term nurturing of the children. That's the key that we lack in modern civilization. And mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, now one of the theories is that, okay, in more primitive man, uh, they're attributing this to instinct. Okay? Instinct, you just do what you do mm-hmm. without thinking. So one of the theories is that as the brain developed, it created different nerve paths, it started creating memories. The instinct has nothing to do with memories. So if these nerve paths began creating memories, then you're, then you're developing what cause and effect. What if I do this? What will happen? Okay? So if you go that path and do something different that you didn't do on your instinct path, there's going to be some kind of a tension. You're not supposed to do that. We always do it this way. It's kind of like the migration path of a bird, for example. You always go a certain way. What if that bird, mm. let's just take that bird example. He's developing nerve paths, cause and effect. And He said, well, what if I go down to that island instead of up there? And the rest of the birds are going, don't do that. This is what we do all the time. Um, hmm. So as the brain develops and you get increased memory capacity, increased increased Reasoning abilities, because instinct is not about reasoning. It's just about doing what you do. Okay. Certain things you do. Um, the theory is that created more and more attention. So you're talking about however many years you want to throw mm-hmm. in there. <clears throat> and so the theory is that mankind now, 2020, let's just think about 2020.
0: Frickin 2020.
1: Is total <laughs> chaos. Yeah. So according to this theory, this is the logical upshot of the cause and effect thinking process of trying to figure out why is, does that work and why does this not work? The brain's trying to figure out what to do something for a good reason. And so the theory of this is that the brain is in conflict with the, I'm just going to call it the right brain and left brain, kind of, kind of. It may not exactly be that, but let's just, it's easy to think about yeah. that. So you've got this conflict in your right brain and right brain. It's, it's come to a, a climax, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a giant infection. In humanity, that's come to a boil like, like a volcano. Like
0: COVID 19. Yes.
1: Well, and everything else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, just think about it yeah. that um, a, a boil is like a volcano, it heats up. Yeah. You have to have heat, and everything, all the infection is drawn to one place, and finally it gets so hot it spews, and that's exactly what's happening. And so according to this theory that's what's happening right now in mankind this actually journey that mankind has been on is actually a positive thing because we have to find out why we do what we do why does it work because let's just go back to the amazon jungle those people don't know that what they're why they're doing what they're doing because it works they don't know they're e- they could easily be manipulated by somebody from the outside and say Oh, we need to have a nursery. We need to get these cribs over here for your babies. You don't need to be carrying them over there. That's too, you know, all that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, you've created chaos in their community because they didn't know why they were doing what they were doing. They just always did that. Yes. Hmm. That's what we do. That's instinct. Uh, So 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 you're saying
0: today, like, the reason why we've gotten to this point in time is because outside influences have changed (laughs) their uh, initial environment to benefit
1: themselves well we've created this environment because we've been humankind mankind's been on a journey to find out why who we who are we yeah why
0: the big question why are we here yeah Yeah.
1: and um so if you don't know why something works you don't have any reason to continue it because you're always going to be curious well, what Curiosity, if Curiosity uh, killed there's, the cat. <laughs> what, what if this? What if I do this? What huh. do I do that? And next thing you know, well, what about that? What about next thing you know, your brain's going, you're, you've got this conflict in your brain. Then you have this conflict in all of humanity this, that should not be, but it is. So, so you know, you're
0: over you're saying over a long period of time, we've gotten to this point, it yes. wasn't just us. <laughs> snap COVID happened and everybody no, starts writing no, no, no. or black you know, BLM happened and everybody starts writing. It's no. you're saying it's a long, we long, were long ripe
1: time. for the picking. Ah. We were ripe for the picking.
0: Interesting. So um, do you think this was intentional or do you think this was, you know, well,
1: I think there's powers that be that actually, you know, created this situation, yeah. but we were ripe. People were ripe to be susceptible to that.
0: America as a whole or the world as the a whole, whole world mm. as a whole,
1: all of humanity. Now, some people are more at ease with themselves than others, you know, hmm. um, it, and that's pretty evident.
0: Dude, why, you know? why do you think it's more global than just our country? Cause like, for instance, um, a few years back, I went to Nigeria, you know, we, I went to a, a spot in the middle of nowhere, you know, I met with the chief, you know, think about the discovery channel huts. That's kind of where I was at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, these guys, man, they, they, their culture is just way different. Like they don't go by the way we go. Like if you want to even go do something in Nigeria, <laughs> like you have to say, okay, we have to go now. Now, <laughs> if you say now, that could mean anywhere from, okay, 5 a.m. to <laughs> 5 p.m. So if you're waiting on a ride and you say the ride is on the, or if he tells you I'm on my way, it could be five hours later and then I'll get there. And like, nothing has happened. Yeah. It's just It's, I say that to say like, their culture there, just a few years ago, completely different than American culture mm-hmm. in how they viewed everything. And that's I mean that goes for every country, every culture in the entire world. but it just it definitely seems like America and a lot of the first world um, economies and and cultures are more ripe for the picking. And I wonder if that has to do with more individualism than tribal culture and stress and all that.
1: Well, stress, uh, because we live in concrete jungles, yeah. going back to the nature thing, we yeah. are not, I don't think human beings are designed to live in such close proximity with so many people packed together with so much. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's normal.
0: And so your grand your grandson is five?
1: The youngest. Yes. Okay.
0: So yeah, this at five years old, the Fulani people, um, send their five-year-olds out to go hunt all day by themselves with a bottle of water
2: wow. and a
0: machete wow. and they have to herd their cows. Um, they they can be with a brother or something, but at five years old, like it's time to grow up, to be a man. <laughs> I mean, my son's four. Yes. And so I think a lot of what you're talking about too, is has to do with perspective.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we've, we've lost that perspective. You know, we have teenagers and grown people that are my age, 30 year olds who have never left the state and they don't know, or the city for that much, they don't know what it's like to go fend for yourself in Nigeria or have those type of of experiences.
1: No, they're still graduating from college and living in their parents' basement. That's the (laughs) Well, So that's actually a new stat
0: stat that came out. It's like this is the the most people within our generation that are are still living with their parents, which I, I wonder if that has to do more with college debt increasing and, the cost for college and granted, the importance for college isn't as significant as it was back then or today as it was back then, in my opinion. Like, yeah, you oops. can't necessarily get a job just because you have a college degree now.
1: That's true. And uh, just going to college, just to go to college without a, a viable degree plan. Yeah. You know, yeah. and parents uh, coddling their kids. I actually know somebody who had three grown children in their 30s living in their home who are not working, mom and dad are in their debt, in debt, severely in debt, Mm -hmm. working day and night. And these kids expect them to buy a new car, their cell phones, uh, to completely support them. And they're out there in the streets. There are those people out there in the streets, Mm -hmm. protesting, rioting, those kind of things. Um, but, um, Back to the question about why. Yeah, the sorry, we to, <laughs> oh, it's okay. Kind of got off. Um, television and the internet. The cell phone. Africans have cell phones. Too. Oh, yeah. They it's, all have cell so phones. It's so great.
0: So, you know. Um, <laughs> I, every- can't, I can't say how many times I've gone by a tribal hut and there's literally yeah. nothing for hundreds of miles. But this man's got a cell phone mm-hmm. listening to those three songs he's listening to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but that, that has shrunk the world and people are aware of what people have material. They want that. It, that, so that creates uh, attention. You know, they're upset. Why do they have that? Why, do, why can't I have that? Hmm. So people are angry. They're not happy with their lives. Then you, the, on the other spectrum, you've got these extremely well-to-do people that, of course, their money hasn't made them happy. So they're angry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all that negative mm. energy creates sickness, so their bodies are sick. you're mentally not on top of things, because everything is energy. If you're putting out negative vibes, you, that's who you draw, you're draw who is drawn to you, And everything's connected. If everything is energy, everything in the entire universe is connected.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can do like the old rip throw a pebble in the water, you know, the mm-hmm. ripple effect. that's literally. Yeah. So how how I live my life affects the entire universe.
0: There's emerging research on like magnetic fields and um, how it affects even the very uh, atmosphere you walk. Mm -hmm. It like you can affect the entire room. So that's why when you say negative vibes or positive vibes, you can feel those without ever having to talk to somebody. Yeah. It's a form of communication. Yeah. And uh, there's there's some pretty cool research studies popping out that.
1: So there's a lot of negative vibes going on now.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard not to. Get depressed when you see the state of everything. I mean, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm 26 and haven't seen anything like this. And I don't even know how old you are, but you've, you've you're many generations above me.
1: Have you ever seen anything like this? Like, no, uh, I'm 71. Okay, okay, I was born in 48. So I grew up in the fifties and sixties. So I was a part of the um, hippies, mm-hmm. make love, not war. I, you know, protested mm. against the Vietnam War. But I was an. I've always been a nonviolent person. Mm. There was some violence associated in the late sixties and early seventies, and that's that's a matter of record. But, but in those days, the National Guard was called in immediately, mm. put it down. Now, now the govern the governors have to call the National Guard, and in. they're not the president. Is, has no authority. He's yeah. not usurping states' rights. Yeah. So That's not, a big no-no. It's not his fault, you yeah. know? So the governors or the mayors, they are not calling for help. They're letting this go on and on, which did not happen in my generation. Huh. Did not. So, um, uh.
0: I mean, the 60s were... A wild time. They
1: were iconic. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of things going on because you had the Vietnam, you had the uh, civil rights movement, and then you had the huge explosion of music, which mm-hmm. we've never had an era like that before. Never.
0: That would have been a while to live in the 60s. It was. My buddy and I were talking about, oh, my buddy, Zek, you know, mm-hmm. Zek. Yes. Uh, I had a podcast mm-hmm. with him last weekend just to practice, this is mm-hmm. technically our first one, but... um we were talking about how like, like the crazy stuff came out of the '60s, even all the conspiracies with, like, you know, about MK Ultra and all that. Okay, <laughs> it all comes out today. It's just insane. Midnight, I think it was Operation Midnight Climax. Uh, um, the CIA doing all this cover-up stuff and mind control with LSD. And so we're like, can you imagine? Like, so there's so many ideas. There's so many conspiracy theories going on with COVID. With and you post a lot about it. And you post a lot about politics and you post a lot about um, just a very different perspective. I think a lot of people like hearing it. Some people may not, but I don't know. I'll, I'll watch or listen to it. I don't really care. It's great. <laughs> but, um, you know, 10 years ago, if we would have said something about, you know, a conspiracy theory that like today, like in the 60s today, we now know that a lot of those quote unquote conspiracy theories were actually true. So what is going on today? That 10 years from now, we attribute to conspiracy theories today, but 10 years from now or 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we go, OK, no, that was actually true. You know,
1: well, the thing that we have to remember, no, that the term conspiracy yeah, theory was I, I created uh, when people started questioning JFK's death. Yeah. And how it was handled and who actually did it and who was behind it.
0: Now, was that from that video or was that from a uh, out, out different source? They, you know, that, well, that's just
1: a historical fact. OK. 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 Um, <laughs> But as far as that goes, so they were discrediting. They yeah. wanted to discredit people. So that is a discrediting term so that, you know, you look bad. you're just a nutcase. Yeah, good conspiracy, conspiracy theory. theory. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's a cheap shot, in my opinion, to divert people's attention from actually asking questions. I've always asked questions. You know. That's it, so huge. It is cute Because if you don't even know there's a question... You wouldn't recognize the answer if someone told it to you. So if you're a person that's not asking questions, you have no idea. You're just going to do whatever somebody tells you to do, Mm. like a sheep, like a bull with his ring in his nose.
0: But so many people do that. They
1: do. That's scary. And I think perhaps it's part of our uh, public educational system. And, you know, I'm not saying that public school teachers are bad. I'm saying the system has promoted a non-thinking way of living one's yeah. life i mean i hear lots of reports now i never experienced this when in my education through public school but where teachers do not allow students to question their the teacher's political perspective especially let's say in a history class or those kinds of things you're not going to be talking about that in math and english maybe well english you might get some depending on the literature that you're mm. reading but mostly in your history type classes or psychology classes and things like that, that teachers have punished kids for questioning the teacher's stance on something.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think there's a fine line between um, like, for instance, COVID, you know, it's very healthy to question things about COVID. Um, I had COVID. Um, it definitely sucked. Like, it, it, I did too. Oh, yeah. did you really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. How was that for you?
1: My throat was on fire. That was the worst thing. And I had a fever and I slept for about nine days. It took huh. me about a month to actually feel normal. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of like the flu. Wow.
0: I didn't know you had COVID. And you're 71. I'm So, 71. You, so you're outside the stat or you're That's inside right. the stat, but you still survived. Yeah.
1: And I don't wear a mask either.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All
1: right. Yeah.
0: Um. So questioning things, Um, you know, I, super healthy to question things. But I I do wonder if people take the the questioning too far into a, um, I'm always right. I've seen a lot of people do that almost into their own cycle of bias.
1: Okay. That's valid. Okay. Because if you're really questioning, then you're always going to be open to adjust your views. Yeah. Because I think our belief system needs to be flexible enough to be, to change.
0: Sorry. I gotta, by the you way, know. if you need a, you have long legs too. If you need to yeah. f- hit, you know, I'm good. S- sideways. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, too many people, like we talked about earlier, how someone could believe something is true, but it's absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. But to them it's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I hold my beliefs very loosely because they're always subject to change. I mean, yeah. we, you know, the old... Scripture we see through a glass darkly should be, it should get clearer as we age and grow and mature if we're asking questions and we, if we have an open mind to mm-hmm. see, to adjust our perspective. And that's the way I've lived my life. I guess I've been climbing out of boxes for decades. <laughs> you know, just we'll when, just when I think I'm, I'm done, I look on, oh, there's a whole new crop of deception there, you know. Mm. And we're all deceived. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a scary word. We, I want to be deceived. <laughs> well, we all are. We all believe things that are not true. Yeah. That's really the definition of deception. It's nothing to be scared of.
0: So that's, I have the most respect for, so I used to work with doctors. I, I, I worked at the county trauma center for five and a half years. Um, still have great friends there. Still hang out with them all the time. Um, and there are, there are, there's a staunch difference between how certain doctors practice medicine. The doctors who are willing to say, hey man, like, okay. I might have been wrong on this. I've kind of changed my tune on, you know, wearing masks or not. Um, I've changed my tune on how I treat this disease or not. Um, those doctors who are able to do that are some of the best doctors I know. And because they, they realize, hey, man, medicine is still a practice. It's still um, uh, willing to change. Things aren't set in stone. Even some theories like there there are still like um, the, the the gut biome. Do you know much about that? A little. <clears throat> they just classify that as, a, as an organ. A human organ. Wow. Yeah. And I think it was last year, like April of 2019 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, we just discovered a new organ. <laughs> wow. And it's 2019, you know? And how can we be so uh, arrogant to think that we know everything about medicine? And that this one way of doing things is right. Typically, what I found is there's never one silver bullet for anything. You know, there's not one silver bullet for COVID. There's not one silver bullet for fixing the flu or any disease for that matter. It's typically a, a variety of things that we all have to come together and kind of realize this may work or this may not work. And we have to adapt. And that's huge.
1: That uh, is huge. That's a very perceptive for you, for, for your person of your age. That's impressive. You know, I wish more people would think like that. Too many doctors think they're God. Well, I'm guessing that our approach to medicine is too much uh, dealing with symptoms and medication and surgery. And there are more holistic doctors, nutritionists, and I don't know all the names for all those different kinds of naturopathic doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, they're out there and they're using... Very alternative methods in bringing and having very successful results for their patients without drugs and without surgery.
0: It's just, it's um, very hard to practice that though. Like I, I can't, it is. there is um, like the entire system is built for treating the signs and symptoms and not the core issue. Yeah. Like for instance, an MD, a medical doctor, they're, they're specifically trained to treat the signs and symptoms and not really branch out of that. Now, some doctors do, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's far easier to get into a residency program as an MD than a DO. A DO, you can still be an ER doctor. You can still be all the, the typical doctors, but the DO looks at the core issue. They they have some training in chiropractic adjustments and mm-hmm. musculoskeletal systems. Um, like so DOs.
1: Yeah, it's really hard um, with a whole health issue because you have people that eat excuse me, crap.
2: Oh, you cussed. I did,
1: right? <laughs> and, you know, they don't exercise and they're obese, but yet they... Are you hitting the bottom of that table? Oh, maybe okay, so. That's what I'm hearing. I'm oh. hearing
0: some sort of ringing. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Continue.
1: Um, so that's the big thing with me. You should take care of yourself. Don't tell me that I'm hurting you if I don't wear a mask, if you are obese or you're not taking care of your own business. You know, um, hmm. but yeah, you know, we have people don't cook at home. They eat out at restaurants all the time. That's, that's very uh, generally unhealthy eating. Oh yeah. No, generally unhealthy. no massively.
0: Yeah. But our entire system is built to create unhealthy people.
1: Yeah. Makes money. Makes money.
0: Bottom line. Yeah. And there, even the, the things like, uh, certain disease processes can't be treated Based on legality or um, like, for instance, Lyme disease—that's another hot topic. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know somebody who had it, yeah. and a doctor was willing to actually treat Lyme disease. And after two two days, I think three days, the person came back to get another treatment, and the, the entire office was gone. Yeah, they they went to the mid, back to the Middle East.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: And Lyme disease is a whole another quote yeah. unquote conspiracy. I had to do a paper on it for college and well, <laughs>
1: all these all yeah. these I don't know if we can get into that. <laughs> autoimmune diseases. Yeah. I mean there's there's a whole list of them mm-hmm. that are you know, even uh, rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease. Why are humans having so many of those kinds of issues? I mean I think it goes back to our original discussion. Hum- humans are broken. They're not comfortable in their own skin and so it's creating all kinds of mental and physical issues in humanity. It's a, it's a global issue yeah. with humans, not just in the Western world.
0: Oh, no, definitely.
1: You know, so uh, the more primitive cultures are envious of the Western cultures, and the Western culture has reached its peak, and it's, you know, all the material possessions we heap on ourselves, keeping up with the Joneses, <laughs> hasn't brought the satisfaction that they thought it would. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's yeah. just a lot of issues, man. Like I just uh-huh. I, for me, I just want to fix it all. And that's what really is, is super hard. Like I I realized I can't necessarily do that as an MD. But if I can get a PhD or even a Master's, if I can just start doing some actual research projects that might actually change public policy, maybe I can actually start doing some change on a macro level.
1: You know, everybody can do something. You know, the, the simplest thing is everybody can be kind to other people you can smile at somebody give them a word of encouragement that's something everybody can do and then every each person has their own specialty like you you want to research so go for it
2: mm-hmm.
1: do i mean you don't have to wait to have a degree to do that really i mean you can get the degree to facilitate the process enable you to to know enough to be able to know what questions to ask yeah. sometimes we don't know you know there's a question I need to ask about this, but I don't know what it is, so maybe you need to educate yourself yeah. further. Um, but I learned a long time ago that I can't help everybody and I can't solve all of the world's problems, but I can be me and do what I can do in my own giftings. let yeah. say I'm, I'm a teacher. When I started teaching. I was thinking about... I put a quote on Facebook about... How uh, uh the river doesn't drink itself, and so forth, you know that the one of the basic things about human beings is that when we make other people happy, or when we we're kind to them, uh, that's really that's that should be normal for humanity as far as walking in that manner. And I was thinking about that as far as myself. What have I done to make people happy? Well, just immediately, I've got a lot of happy teachers and students that teach. My teachers love teaching there. I have a new teacher, she's the English teacher, that's gradually going to be replacing me. Mm. She's been in public school for 30 years. She said, I just love this. <laughs> you know, she, That's awesome. she teaches two days a week. Next year, she'll teach three days. You know, she can fine tune her uh, teaching to the student's needs. She can customize it. She doesn't have anybody telling her how to do it, when to do it and that sort of thing. Uh, In our elementary campus, those kids are loved. It's just like one big family. Mm. They're little kids. What's not to like? I love (laughs) little kids, you know? And the teachers just love on those kids and they're just so happy to be there. So I've made some people happy. Yeah. That wasn't. That's the change you're talking about. I didn't think about that when I did it. I was just trying to meet a need that wasn't being met in our community. Hope maybe I made you happy. Oh no, yeah. That's the first year though. You didn't like me. Oh, I do not like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first year was like, oh my gosh, mom,
0: why am I going to this place? She's mean uh, and old. Come on. Mean
1: Mrs. White, yeah. Nah, and
0: here, right? You're I'm in my God. house. You're in my studio. We're just chit chatting, it's great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we do grow up, don't we?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, uh, big time. I yes. grew up a lot in your class. Yeah. You gave me some thick skin. It was good.
1: That's good. You know, I think I've gotten a little softer since then. But
0: <laughs> I, I was actually going to say that. Yes, you have. It's been, it has been nice. So, what made you a little softer?
1: I know, old age, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, no offense, Mrs. White, but you were kind of old then.
1: <laughs> oh well, I'm 71 now. So 10 years ago, I was oh, that. That's that's looking little pretty little young to me from where I'm sitting. <laughs> but it's not young to
0: you. So, but that, that's what's super awesome. You can be 61 and still doing all the things you love and still have a, a lot of years ahead of you yeah. and that's just so cool i think about retirement like okay retirement is kind of the end of my my life like i you know spent 65 years you know quote, unquote, building this income to retire on and i'm thinking like that that's not really the case like i can still be that age and live a very long
1: time we have a president who's older than me he's a that's couple of years older than me
0: doesn't look like yeah. it
1: yeah you think he dies his hair well, I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah. I quit dying my hair. So that's the way it is. But I figured you either like me or you don't. That my hair has nothing to do with it.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. So what's super cool about um like one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on um, is to have these conversations, honestly. And honestly, like I love just like this is one of those arts that's been lost because of uh-huh. social media. Just this. Yeah. Banter back and forth. Okay, what do you think about this? Okay, I may not agree with you, but also, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Keep moving forward. Um, but I noticed there's a there's a there's a pretty staunch change since COVID happened in your posting on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You post you started posting a lot more um, topics and um, from everything from politics to what you disagree or agree with about COVID, mainly disagree. <laughs> but so what what kind of what kind of facilitated that change? in your posting style.
1: Okay. So I'm a communicator. No. Yeah. Right. (sighs) So that's what I teach, you know? And, um, I feel like that's, I guess you call it calling. I mean, it's kind of like, it's the itch that I have to scratch, Mm -hmm. you know, I have backed off on times and then I get people claim, don't do that. I need to hear from you, you know? So I had somebody, a longtime friend, um, back from the 90s in our homeschooling days, private messaged me and saying, thank you so much for your posts because I, in her perspective, I'm speaking the truth um, and I need that. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid to post. There's a lot of people that are afraid to comment or to put their own posts. They are afraid. Um, maybe because I'm older, I'm not afraid. I mean, what are they going to do to me?
0: So if they assassinate you for saying something crazy, you're like, oh, I lived a good life. <laughs> I've already
1: lived my life. You know, I don't want to die, but uh, right. you know, I've lived my life. I've am i done. You know, I have to. I can actually say I've done everything I wanted to do. Hmm. I don't know how many people can say that. Yeah. As I said, I I'm agree. a girl who walked through open doors. Um, yeah. Something presented me. I walk through, get an idea, like start teach. I had no idea it would be like it is. You know, it would become what it is. I'm just dealing with the moment.
0: What, what do you mean you didn't?
1: Well, I mean, I just threw a bunch of teachers together. You know, vetted them and.
0: Well, how big is Teach?
1: Well, we usually run, well, with the middle school and high school, a little over a hundred, and then you throw in the middle, the elementary, you know, forty or fifty uh-huh. there. Elementary is just new. This is just our second year, though. We almost doubled our enrollment there this year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, but there's a lot of people that are scared. They're not going anywhere. So we had a little drop of enrollment this year with our middle school and high school. Yeah, I can see that. Um, But um, all the classes made and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, We had some that are smaller, some that are normal size. Like, I've got 12 kids in my comp, too. That's a maximum. You know, it's a packed
0: class. yeah. Yeah. Wow, um, that's really I'm, I'm so super excited for that success. That's great. Yeah, it's needed.
1: But um, I'm a communicator, and I've always asked because yeah, I said yeah, I always ask questions, and so I dig and I find out, I read.
0: So where do you go when you dig? Because some of some of the, some of the uh, posts you've you've put on there, I've just been curious about. I'm, I'm like, hmm, I never really read that before. I don't really know much about it, mm-hmm. but. So where where do you get kind of what's your go to when you start digging about a, around about a topic? What's your kind of your go to? Well,
1: I don't know. I have kind of a group people, a group of handful of people that we sort of brainstorm. Um, I'm, not, I'm not very good about remembering the places that I go to, so my bad on that part. <laughs> um, so, uh,
0: so you know, the the this is the age of information and misinformation.
1: Exactly. And so,
0: so I'm just kind of curious. I you,
1: tend to go to alternative sites. Not I do not trust the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've been telling us the truth for decades. I think they're paid not to. I mean, they're what? Only four or five are. They're all practically owned by the same.
0: Yeah, that, that, that doesn't is, speak well of. That's facts, yeah. You know,
1: and actually, you know, where's the uh, um, what was the Rico thing in the early seventies for monopolies? Whatever happened to that? Hmm. How are these companies able to gobble up so many? Isn't that a monopoly? It I'm not like sure it. how why that has been allowed to happen.
0: Well, it's like a, the privatized hospitals in our area. It's mm-hmm. all by one company. Yeah. Which is driving up prices like crazy. They
1: mm-hmm. have gobbled up all these little hospitals that were barely making it. Because of insurance rates and mm-hmm. all of that, that's it's, another story. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe another day. <laughs>
1: do- yeah, doctors do with the insurance company. In fact, my doctor, my MD, actually told me if if his Medicare patients don't come in every year or whatever that that is, they actually yell at him. The insurance companies? Yes.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. See, it's more autonomy. No bueno. Going
1: away. Yeah, and so. They they have very little freedom to actually practice. I don't even know if practicing medicine is right. Is that the right word? It is
0: the right word. It's, okay. sp- it's what, that's what it's meant to be, but it hasn't. It's not really like that anymore. I don't like anymore. the
1: word healthcare practitioner. Where did that come from?
0: That's again, it's supposed to be that, but okay. from my experience, it, it's kind of again, what's kind of turned me off from being an MD, from being a you know, medical doctor instead mm-hmm. of a research doctor is, is not not really, not really a practice anymore. Like you have to do all the things within the protocol. And okay. if you if you shy away from an existing protocol, you can lose your license.
1: Okay. So something about me, I grew up in a very political home on the left side. My dad was very heavily politically involved. He um, was George McGovern's campaign manager in South Dakota in 1962 when he first ran for the Senate, the bid, oh. in South Dakota.
0: And... There was, is there something special about 1962 that for some reason that's ringing a bell?
1: Well, 19, you know, Kennedy was elected in 60 and 63. He was assassinated. I'm not sure about that. Anyway, um, he was being
0: dumb then. (laughs)
1: Okay. When we we had to move to Wisconsin because he had to quit his job to campaign for George, so he had to get another job. We moved from South Dakota to Wisconsin. He was, um, um, Uh, McCarthy. Eugene McCarthy's Wisconsin State campaign manager when really he was ran in the primary against Hubert Humphrey in 1968.
0: You're 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 popping out some numbers like you're that's, yeah. that's awesome. Well,
1: that's when I, I was living then. <laughs> I know, but that's that's great. Yeah, 68 was that I can't remember yesterday. Wild <laughs> Democratic National Convention in Chicago Yeah, where there was a lot of violence. My dad became Well, he was very renowned in the National Democratic Party. He helped reframe the Democratic Party from the blue collar, brought it up into the universities. Uh, uh, So he traveled the country a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, he was the guy who stood up and requested that the Democratic National Convention be moved to St. Louis instead of Chicago because of the police brutality, and they said no. Hmm. Um, There's Wisconsin State Historical Society has a whole, many files on him. People have done their PhDs and master's degree on my dad. Really? Yes. So I grew up in a very- What's his name? Donald O. Peterson.
0: Donald O. Peterson. I want have to look him up now.
1: Yeah, he passed away two years ago. Full PhDs on your dad? Yeah. Golly. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's <yeah. laughs> was that's awesome. Then when he retired in the late 80s, they moved to Nashville from, from Wisconsin to Nashville, Tennessee, and he was a lobbyist there for AARP, and he became well known mm. there in the political environment in his later years. But so I, that's the environment I grew in. So I have a tendency to be very political. I have to restrain myself <laughs> because,
2: eh,
1: you know, kind of polarizing.
0: Um, Very polarizing, but, yeah.
1: But it given means. that, I was the only one, out of four siblings, I was the only one interested in politics. Um, I was the George McGovern campaign manager in Lynchburg, Virginia in 1972. I had my first college job out of the box. Uh, moving to Lynchburg, Virginia was another story. Wisconsin girl moving to Lynchburg, mm. Lynchburg. Mm. <laughs> I was pretty much of a liberal girl. So it was quite an eye opener. Oh, really, But, um, so always kind of that way. But so I, I am a questioner, so I don't just take things at face value. I say, well, what about this? What about that? So to me, I'm, I'm also very logical and common sense. Give me somebody with common sense over a PhD what. any day, oh. okay? Because I sort of, sometimes I feel like I'm surrounded by a sea of idiots. <laughs> I'm sorry, whoever's listening to this, but I feel like the Americans have lost their ever-loving minds mm-hmm. because... Well, common sense can't be, ta- can't no. be taught. It's, uh, man, it's... I mean, oh. I don't even like going to the grocery store. I just think, what is wrong with people? I just, Why really? don't you like going to the grocery store? Because... It's surreal. I mean, people walking around with healthy people walking around with masks on their face.
0: You Why? don't think that's just a, like, you know, make sure somebody else doesn't get it? Well,
1: we never did this with the swine flu, with any other kind of. Oh, no, of, I,
0: I definitely get the double standard.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, it's not an, it's not a pandemic.
0: Now it is. I agree. Yeah. It has
1: never been a pandemic. Uh, the numbers is, you know, so people have died. Well, my mother is 95 years old. She's living in an assisted living in a situation in Tennessee. She's a virtual prisoner there. My older brother, who buys everything hook, line, and sinker, says, well, she's safe. Safe mm. for what? She's 95. She wakes up every morning and says, gone it, I'm still here. <laughs> she's done living. Man. She can't see very well anymore, so she can't read and she sits in her little independent living apartment, and they bring her breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because God forbid you'd see another person or be near them. Mm. Um,
0: it's pretty crazy how it's it switched. It's no, not I mean, just like that. It's
1: not safe for what they're not. People are dying in hospitals, in nursing homes, without their loved ones. There is nothing humane about that. Hmm. And so if you're sick, stay home, leave me alone. You know, I'm not sick. Hmm. I'm healthy. I'm not going to.
0: And you survived it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: so, uh, I, I do like, I get the initial idea about it. Um, I, I studied a little bit of virology and epidemiology, um, in college and cause my, my degree plan is in public health. So it's super interesting, not saying I'm an expert about it, but the makings of this virus did have the potential because it was novel, because it was brand new. they have the potential to wipe out everybody because it was from, it was a zoonotic disease, zoonotic virus that mutated. And we didn't know anything about it. And I, I think that was the biggest thing in my opinion. This is just my opinion. Um, that was the biggest thing about why we kind of took the initial drastic measures. Um, I, I don't really know if I'd necessarily agree with that initial shutdown, but like making it known, hey, man, this is a big deal. This could be very dangerous, uh, I think was needed. Um, I, I would think about, OK, if I was a president and I knew and I had all these people telling me which when which one way or whatever, what to do and what to say. And we're in a virus that we know jack about. It's brand new. It came from a bat. I'm. I might have shut down for just a week or two, maybe. I'm just thinking, like, if I wasn't in, in that position, what would I have done? And it's so hard whenever you have no information.
1: Well, yes, there's that. Of course, now there's After information the that yes. there's this. There's the narrative that the COVID was created yes. in the lab. Yes, and I, and I, I heard are, that too. There are Chinese scientists that are.
0: Uh, I read that out. article too. Yeah, the lady and stuff. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying, but also see where other people are coming from as well. Because I mean, again, we were, it was initially supposed to be 15 days or 14 days to flatten the curve, right? I think it's been six months since then. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And and we've we've given up so much.
1: Well, think for this. What, think what it's done to people. Okay, practically a wrecked economy. Businesses have closed mm-hmm. in in Cleburne alone. We have businesses that have had to shut down. So you not only have the owners, but you have the employees.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A whole educational system, which may be a good thing, is <laughs> you know that needs to be completely revamped, but that that was a a nightmare for parents. Even at teach, we had to go online and and teach distance learning. Yeah. And it was a nightmare for all of us. I, to find I barely slept for two weeks. You know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I but I mean, f- you slept for nine days straight. Right. So that, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so that was very challenging. And, and, you know, a lot of anxiety as a mm-hmm. result of that. So you have parents that are home with their kids. I mean, that what do they do if they still had a job? You know, you've all this such a complicated mm-hmm. situation.
0: And I feel like the driving force between behind COVID and all that we've done is mortality, right? Um, but as we realize, mortality has kind of been going down as as more people have gotten tested. Well,
1: and here's the question. The medical approach to people is to keep, okay, being old is big business. I'm just going to say that right out loud. <laughs> Think about it. When I was growing up, they were called old people's homes. And if you were only on your deathbed, you were there or you had no one to take care of you. Otherwise, you were at home with loved ones. Then they called them nursing homes mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And you call them all these different assisted living, independent living, whatever, you know, all these variations. And you have all these facilities. And it's a bad and a good thing. What, you know, but it's big business. Okay, Huge. People are staying alive longer. Why are they staying long longer? Because they're on drugs. That's big business. Well,
0: this is the argument for quality of life.
1: Mm-hmm. Big Are bad. they
0: having a quality, a strong quality no, of life? They're not living, yeah, exactly. they're existing.
1: Exactly. I'm not in favor of existing, I'm yes. in favor of living. So, my mother, she doesn't have anything wrong with her. The only medicine she takes is she's got glaucoma and blood pressure medicine. And the doctor said, Well, if we took her off of blood pressure, she could have a stroke, and that could be very messy and super expensive. So, we're not doing that. So, other than that, she keeps taking along. There's nothing wrong with her. My dad died of degenerative heart disease. He had a disease and we had to take him off of all of his life-sustaining medication because we had all agreed as a family and he agreed that wasn't any way to live. He was miserable. He was in pain all the time. So we put him in hospice and it took him six weeks to pass away. It was not an easy decision. But either way, his death was going to be a miserable thing.
0: Are you in favor of assisted suicide?
1: Actually, I am.
2: Huh, yeah, I was wondering. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's my life. It's not anybody else's life. Yeah. Brown um, from carry on and tell. Them. she got a yeah. little dementia. Um, Well, she's ninety-five years old. You know. Of That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but you know, she'd like to go down to the dining room and sit at a table with other yeah. people. I mean, they haven't gone anywhere for crying out loud. Who are they going to infect? Um, you know, really. <laughs> yeah you know
0: uh, so what do you what do you make of that report? There was an a, a whole apartment complex in New York where they all tested positive for coronavirus even though they were all quarantined and never left their apartments.
1: I don't know if those tests I mean those that i've what I've read of those tests is that it was not designed to be used the way in which it's being used. Mm-hmm. That's what I've read about that test and of course. It, test is not accurate, maybe. But so what does that tell you? I really don't know. I mean.
0: Do you think it's airborne? Uh, uh, Instead of, because there's, there's three, I think there's technically three different types of precautions. There's uh-huh. um, like contact precaution. There's droplet precautions, which is the flu uh-huh. and which is, you know, coughing and sputum. And there's airborne, where it actually it's so uh-huh. small it just travels on air particles. And that's what that's the most um, con- uh, contagious. Yeah, they
1: could have contacted it before they were quarantined. You know, well, I don't know. Yeah, um,
0: there's just there's just so many loopholes and all this stuff. Like I, I get where everybody's coming from. I, I to a point, I get where, like, it's just everybody's scared. Like our entire co- culture is just scared.
1: Well, and okay, so <clears throat> one of the measures that I use for determining whether something is true or not is whether it brings peace. Um, it's not a total okay. measurement, but. Uh, does it cause a person to be kinder and more loving? Do, are you at peace with yourself? And I see the complete opposite. If you go, just go to the grocery store. You rarely see, you can't see their faces, you just see their eyes. Uh, people aren't smiling. They're not greeting you. People are suspicious. They're downright mean.
0: My eyes are smiling sometimes. You kind of see them squint. Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> you would, though. Uh, but for the most part, they're not. They're mm-hmm. suspicious of you. You know, uh, why aren't you wearing a mask? I, the uh, secretary at the church where we have our um, middle school and high school classes uh, was at the grocery store. It was last. It was before masks were heavily mandated. But, uh, but they're not
0: really mandated in Cleburne, are they? I think it's depends just depends on where you go in
1: Cleburne. Yeah, I it's mean, up to the business, right? Yeah, but you know, everybody's—they all put that sign on, but then some of them they don't care when you yeah. get there, and others do. You know, um, there's one restaurant that did not put the sign up. That's um, that black sheet uh, over there where Caddo Street Girl it was, used to be, mm. and nobody wears masks there. FYI, if anybody wants to know, <laughs>
0: but, I'll edit that out. <laughs> right. uh,
1: anyway, um, she was raped by six men, and her face was her lip, her mouth was duct taped in that process when she was a young girl. Wait, yes, who is this? This uh, woman that I know. Oh
0: my gosh, I'm sorry. And I don't, <laughs> she
1: uh, was left for dead. She somehow survived. Uh. Okay, so she said. My husband can't even touch my mouth. Nothing. So she does not wear a mask. All right. So she had a lady get in her face. Get in her face. Not staying six feet away. <laughs> Hello. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Where's your mask? Why aren't you wearing a mask? She said, I, uh, I have a medical reason why I don't wear a mask. What reason is that? I mean, I'm just telling you verbatim what this friend of mine told me. So she decided to tell her story. She said, and I raised my voice when I did it. And by the time she was through telling that story, she had a crowd of people around her and they were all sobbing. And the original lady that attacked her verbally apologized. And my friend said, well, maybe next time you'd extend more kindness and grace to people because you don't know why they're not wearing a mask. You know? Now, I don't, I've never had that experience I'm not sick. I don't have a medical reason not to put on a mask. But I don't believe that healthy people should be masked. I don't want to breathe my own carbon dioxide or limit my oxygen intake to satisfy draconian measures. This is still Mm. the United States of America, and it's unconstitutional to tell me Mm. what to put on my face or what not to put on my face.
0: What do you think about the people who say... um like you don't you could spread it without ever knowing you have it. What do you think about that? Cuz it's the whole asymptomatic transmission and-
1: well, You could do that if you had a cold, if you had the flu, you could do that with anything. You could have not have not know that you had strep and go to the grocery store and then go the next day to the doctor, "Oh, you got strep." I mean, what, when do you stop? Hmm. When do we stop? If well, we're apparently we haven't. In, yeah, I mean, it's if been we're six going to, if we're going to live in fear of every little disease. Because the death rate in this is minuscule. More people die of tuberculosis than they.
0: And that's another thing. Like, uh, did you ever look at like the hunger statistics? Like what it's causing to world hunger? Well, yeah. It's like typically on an average, we have 9 million die of hunger um, just on average worldwide without coronavirus. I think they're projecting 18 million dead this year. So you have an extra 9 million people dying from an economic shutdown.
1: Okay. And the suicide rate.
0: That's another thing. Oh my gosh. And
1: child abuse. Yeah. Children oh, I at cooks. home, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and and the people that are very uh, fanatic about mask wearing—they're they're so callous about those issues, I, and I don't—I don't get that. How can you be callous about starving people, su- people so depressed that they commit suicide, and children being raped and beaten daily? Because the parents are depressed, or they're out of the job because of these measures that have been in, invoked in our mm. country.
0: Um, so, it, it, does, do you think it goes like, like why are, is there so much of the population um, thinking this and believing this? Because I've caught myself, you know, okay, maybe maybe I am being selfish. Maybe I am being, you know, naive to think that, you know, wearing a mask is or not wearing a mask is uh, selfish.
1: Is it, is that normal for human beings to cover their faces? Think about
0: it. Well, they did that in the, during the pandemic. And I I think that's what I've seen a lot of like doctors that I've known have posted a lot about that. They post, hey man, like, yeah, I get it. You may not have it, but think of others. And now it's become this, this social uh, pressure. Like you're a terrible person if you don't wear a mask. Because you're not thinking of others. That's
1: very self-righteous of them. I get that. I don't look at it from that perspective because if if their mask works, then what are they worried about?
0: Well, there has, but however, there, there has been, I I get what you're saying. I definitely get what you're saying. um, But there is some interesting research that does show like when everybody wears masks, it does bring down uh, cases. Now, I don't, I didn't track down, you know, how they're recording those cases and stuff, but... Um, there's there are some research backing uh mass mask wearing.
1: I'd be interested to see that. Yeah. How they y- you can skew statistics any way you want them to.
0: Did you know eleven percent of statistics are made up?
1: Oh, I bet they are.
0: <laughs> did you see it there? Yeah, okay. You got you got that
1: eleven <laughs> percent right. You just made that figure up, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I
0: did. Right. So, so I I am curious like how everybody gets to this really a sea, an ocean of misinformation. You talked about earlier about the the media, the mass media really being the main sources and then being controlled by, you know, two, three, four people.
1: So like how do we how do we fix that? It's uh, a question that goes back to the original issue of humanity. Yeah. You know, until humanity comes to grips with who we really are, we're always going to be manipulated and insecure, and we're going to be easily bought, dangle a few, whatever it tempts us.
0: That just seems very general. I mean, I I, I get what you're saying. (laughs) Um, I'm just, I'm honestly just curious, like specifically,
1: how do we fix today? In your opinion? Well.
0: Uh, that's kind it's, of also a loaded question. It's a
1: very loaded question. It's a very, I'm all about loaded questions. Yeah, it's, it's very complex. I actually think that our president has um, been working, if I could use the word behind the scenes, in the... To root out what I call the cabal or deep state mm-hmm. that's actually running the show. They're, they're the ones pulling the strings. George Soros, he's just a puppet. He's the face. He's easily eliminated. But I think there has been, and it's been known for a long time, a small group of very wealthy men mm-hmm. who have Do
0: You think it's just men or you don't think it's women? Nah.
1: Nah. Really? Nah. It's
0: Man, I do not know you are sexist. Old Mr.
1: yeah, old school. No, I'm not sexist. But these guys, no, nah, no, nah, old school. It goes back, it goes a long time back, and that goes back to the Federal Reserve Board, JFK's death.
0: They're pulling the strings and everything.
1: They're pulling the strings. It all fast forward. Nine eleven. That's an inside job. You think so? I, I've listened to the. Um, engineering, if that's the right word, and listen to Air Force pilots of the highest level of training. Talk about what, let's just talk about the plane going into the Pentagon. There was no plane. There's never been any plane uh, remains. And what they said that the plane was supposed to do, they said, we could not do that. And they were the highest trained and most experienced pilots on the planet. Uh, what they what they claim that the planes did with the towers just went right inside of the building is a virtual impossibility. This is a very complex issue, but there's...
0: I know, um, I've done a lot of research on it, yeah. I see, but I, I kind of came to the other conclusion, like because I, 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 I wondered if it was an inside job. Uh, I did my research. I saw the articles on there's no way the Pentagon could, you know, have that happened to it in that certain way. Same with the towers. Um, but then this I did my research, you know, probably five years ago. So I don't remember how I got to that conclusion. But I do, I do remember I, I kind of stood on the other end of it. Um, I do wonder, though, how the Pentagon had no cameras recording of it. You know, I'm curious about that.
1: Well, anyway, in regards to 9-11, that enabled us to start a war on terrorism that I don't believe was needful. So people you know if you mention that say well what you just you don't care about all those people that died on 911 well by golly i sure do mm-hmm. what about the that last 19 years of screwing up people's lives the mil- people going into the military you know all full of zeal you know against the war on terrorism come back with ptsd or missing limbs or you dead i mean there how many Thousands upon thousands of men and women are they. Um, wars always make money. It's mm. always about money. You know, maybe not the World War Two. World War II maybe was the only righteous war there was. Mm. Get rid of Hitler and the Japanese Empire. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, so you have nine eleven, you have this war, and then, you know, I believe that the cabal or deep state, whatever you want to call it, you know they funded hillary they were determined that she they they rigged the election and then when trump mm. won they had i mean they were shocked mm. because that means he won by a landslide in a rigged election so they invested millions and millions of dollars into hillary's campaign they want their money's worth so we're just in a big temper tantrum
0: you think the Like today is a temper tantrum of
1: it's 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 been nonstop ever since Trump has been elected. Think about it.
0: No,
2: yeah, I definitely know.
1: How many millions of dollars? 30 million, million dollars on the impeachment? Is that what it was? I don't know how many millions. Uh, They didn't, they haven't done anything, but the impeachment process, Mm. that didn't work. I mean, if you can... You know, did you ever do dot to dots when you were a kid oh, yeah. in the coloring book? Well, I still do. Yeah, right. Yeah, because you got kids, right? So no, you know, me, the picture—you connect all the dots, and it creates a picture. Yeah. To me, it's getting clearer and clearer. You know, it, it, this is 2020 is not normal. <laughs> it is not normal yes. for all these things to happen. Yes. It is not normal. I agree. Okay. With that. So, so you know, COVID—if that was a designer disease. You know, and took everybody by surprise except for the handful that did it. And then here we are today. And then then people started questioning the COVID thing. And then you had the riots. Uh, I don't even know if George George Floyd is even dead. You know, I mean, I even asked that question. Really? Yes.
0: You know, you, you, I'm, I'm assuming you watched the video.
1: Yeah, I watched the video. There's a lot of questions about that video. There's there's I've watched several videos.
0: I know I've Uh, I've been around a lot of dead people and he looked pretty dead.
1: Yeah. But, you know, uh, the picture of the police officer that supposedly had his knee on his neck. And then the one that the mug shot, thats not even the same guy.
0: I do know there's been a lot like a lot of weird questions, a lot of weird stuff Mm -hmm. going on. But my question is, how do you like you can get so far down into this uh, spiral Mm
2: -hmm. that
0: you can kind of lose sight of. All reality and a standard of what is actually true, because I've 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 seen a lot of people I know and used to respect, and I still respect to some degree, but like they they get into these conspiracy conspiracy theories, right? I'm not saying it's alternate views. All, we'll say alternate views. There you yeah. um, go. Because I'm all about having an open mind, mm-hmm. um, questioning when something doesn't necessarily seem right. Um, but how do you kind of stop yourself? From getting too far in the weeds and stop being able to see what's really going on.
1: I back off every so often. Yeah, just kind so of
0: are you are you ba- are you backed off now? or Are you deep in the weeds? It sounds like you're deep in the weeds I'm right now. I'm deep in the weeds
1: <laughs> right now. All right. I, you know. But
0: see, that's great. You can you can you can know like, hey man, like maybe yeah. we should take a breath for a little yeah. bit.
1: I do. I do. I have to. I have to. I have to. But I am going to go back to George Soros. Okay. So let's say he's in. Okay.
0: Soros or Floyd? So, I mean, Floyd. Okay. Da, 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 da. I don't know if Soros dead. Right.
1: <laughs> he may be. Um, anyway, um, he was a drug addict. He was a violent man. He was a convict. Um, he was... One of the sources said he probably died because he dumped his drugs in his mouth and he had an overdose. And he couldn't breathe. That's another source the that I read. Fentanyl or... Yeah, know. whatever that is. <clears throat> um So it didn't have anything to do with the knee on the guy. And who made it a race issue anyway? Who made it a race issue? To me, racists make it a race issue. Just because the cop was white and George is black. Why do we assume it was a race issue? That's a big question I want to ask. Who said that? The media did.
0: Well, we know the media has massive control.
1: So uh, these guys knew... From what I understand, that police officer and and Floyd, they knew each other. Yeah. I don't know if they were friends or just acquaintances or what they were, but they already knew each other.
0: I think, uh, from what I read, uh, George Floyd would frequent a bar that the cop would okay. be security guard at All or whatever. Right.
1: So, um, or something. so that's the question people need to ask: Who made this a race issue? If he had been white, would We, talk, we wouldn't be talking about it right oh, yeah, now. Okay. If the cop had been black, we wouldn't be talking about it today.
0: I, I don't know. I, I've seen some um, like black on black crimes like that, um, and I think it's it's become more of a police issue than just race. Because well, I've seen a lot of just <laughs> crazy videos of people just dogging the police just because they're police.
1: Yes. And I have a good friend whose son is a police officer in Irving. He's white. And he told his mother, he said, more often than not, when they pull over a black person for a traffic violation, they get an attitude. You're pulling me over because I'm black. Instead of being cooperative, just like you and I would be. He said, that's the case. Pulling them over just like we would any other person had nothing to do with their race, but then they get an attitude and then there's trouble. But back to Floyd. So who made that a race issue? That's my problem Mm. with this. Somebody down deep made it a race issue, sent paid rioters into Minneapolis, the town that I was born in, and wreaked havoc and nobody did anything about it. In my day, in the 60s, If there would have been Vietnam War violence, the National Guard would have been called in immediately and squelched it. And, that you know, they would have put a stop immediately, but none of them did. Hmm. And then they wanted uh, emergency funding. Yeah. And then you have these cocky people say, well, they've got insurance. No, those little small businesses, they don't have riot insurance. Yeah. They put these little mom and pop, mom and pop businesses are the foundation of business in our country. The red and butter. Yes. They put everything in it. They don't have any big bank account to go back on. They've spent all their money invested in that. They may have an employee or a main, they may not. It just be maybe mom and pop and the kids. Yeah. And, Black businesses alike and white businesses, mm-hmm. they were, you know, and then all the destruction of the monuments, even monuments that have historical significance for black people mm. was just ignorant, random. And then, you know, the killings, there's been lots of killings, but then you have, I, I have former students of all things that, well, I don't know if the, I really don't know if it was there's any violence in Portland or not. <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: So I do wonder, um, George Floyd, um, all the issues with the African American, uh, was what they say is African American brutality with police. And I've been talking to a few friends of mine who are are African American. They're awesome people. I just kind of, I wanted to know, you know. Where they're coming from? Um, it was an older couple. Um, we actually met at uh, things like last week and the week before. Uh, we were just chilling, and there's there's a couple. Me and my wife were just chilling, and uh, they're sitting right there, older couple, and I think 50s and 60s. And I said, well, "What do you think? Like, What's going on?" Because there's so many like, okay, we have we have certain people on the right saying, "Hey, this doesn't really happen." The the African American communities is set up for success, and um, they're just the democratic party just trying to bring them down. And then we have people who are actually in the weeds and saying, no, like we, there are some issues here that I, w- I would love to be, see addressed. And uh, like this couple, like they seemed very um, sober minded about what's really going on in our culture. And so <clears throat> I was like, you know, for, for from your perspective, uh, take everything as much as you can take everything out of the picture is what's going on really what's going on like is that how you feel like do you feel the the african-american community are um being brutally taken down by police and discriminated against and racism systemic racism is still a thing and like, well that's kind of a again a loaded question i love asking a load of questions um like well yes and no because um (sighs) they haven't necessarily experienced it as, as much as maybe some other people. Um, but really like, like her mom was uh, a slave, you know, her great, her grand, or I think it's actually her grandmother was a slave and her great grandmother was a slave. And like, I can't imagine what that would even be like. Huh? That's terrible. And I think um, some of those effects we still see today, because it's still only like a few years ago when you think about it, mm-hmm. you know, though it was, it was, you know, it was a, a civil war happened. Supposed to be good. Not even close. Like right. we're still only like hundred and 120 years, hundred 100 years from when slavery was still a thing. Well, 160. Well, when you look at early, even the early 1900s, there's still massive. Like many States were still practicing slavery.
1: Yeah. The, the deep uh, South. So shareholders.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like, I get, I get where I I can, try and understand where the african-american community or where the protesters are coming from not the riders they're just trying to run with it that's just ridiculous Mm -hmm. Um, but i get where the protests are coming from i get um what they're saying i'm not necessarily i agree with all of it but i man, like that's only so so soon it was only just 120 160 years ago that full-on slavery was happening and this couple was saying that like you know it's it's hard like My cousin was killed by a cop. My, my father-in-law was killed by a cop. They, they know a lot of people that were killed by cops. Um, and they were, they were, they were a wealthy couple, very wealthy couple. Um, and I don't know any friends who were killed by cops. So I don't really know, like just from my micro perspective, like I'm not looking at, I'm sure there's a million confounding factors to the situation, you know, how we, where and how we uh, were, we grew up and, um, socioeconomic status but they're also they're they're wealthy so it's like those conversations for me help me understand where some people are coming from
1: yeah um politically speaking the black communities were a tight-knit community even in the cities you know they escaped from the sharecropping went to the big cities Made a life for themselves. You had the corner grocery store, you had the local doctor, the local lawyer, the local drugstore, you know, druggists and, and those kinds of things. But Lyndon Johnson's Great Society destroyed the inner city black community by tearing things down and building high rise apartment buildings that turned into slums. He took away their sense of community And then they installed the uh, welfare system that, oh, you can get all kinds of money if the dad's not living in the house. So then, you know, you got all these women having babies and getting money out of the welfare system. So you're not having uh, mom and dad living in the home together. It... Welfare destroyed the inner city black community. And according to the Candace Owens and the uh, very renowned successful black people, they will tell you that the Democratic Party is the black person's worst enemy. They They use the black community to their own ends and don't lift a finger to help them.
0: Um, and you think the like the far right or the, even the right, the Republican Party does that for him?
1: Well, I know that a lot of black people are saying that Trump has done more for the black communities, cities in the cities mm-hmm. than anybody ever has. Interesting. Um, and he's instituted some programs to help them. Um, you've got to have. Uh, I wish I could think of this movie. It was about this, this woman was like a one man. uh pioneer for school choice in uh, her inner city. I think it was Washington, D.C. The black legislator, the the representative, was crooked, you know, claiming with a facade of helping the black community. What it came down to was this woman got the help of a white man who was a senator, who was a brilliant politician. This is a true story. I wish I could think of the name of the movie, It Escapes Me Right Now.
0: Which is, that's, I mean, um, you've remembered a lot. So. Anyway, um, <laughs>
1: she, she was determined that her son was going to have a good education because it was, you know, the public schools in the inner cities are deplorable. They're not educating the children. Drugs are rampant. Violence are rampant. Dropout is horrible. Um, Which I
0: heard a, a great solution for that is to to make it to where you can go to different schools without having to be within that city, you know? Yes.
1: Yes. And so um, they the upshot is they were able to get a charter school in there Mm. and the kids because not because of the black politicians or the Democrats. It was the other side that helped them. Um, So I don't like to really think of Democrats and Republicans, but it sort of has come down to that, um, that these programs have not done the inner city families it's
0: done the opposite done the opposite good, now small
1: town yeah. cleburne they're pretty they're remote they're very far removed from the problems of it seems and, like it you know it's a i've small, only lived here
0: for maybe six months and we have a mm-hmm.
1: very small black community but it's very close-knit mm-hmm. i used to be the when i was well, teaching you i was the uh chairman of the board for east cleveland community center for a number of years and before that was a volunteer and just regular board member it works with at-risk uh, children in Cleburne. Predominantly, they were black, but there's a lot of Hispanic and some white kids. Mm. Um, the board was almost all black except for me and one other person. Um, I was a little uncomfortable about me being the chairman of the board. And um, why the vice chair, I said, you know, because I'm white, mm. okay? And so um, my friend who is the vice, I'm not going to name names, he said, well, They're not showing up, but you are. (laughs) If they want to be on the board, well, they can get to work. You're the one that's showing that you care.
2: Hmm.
0: Interesting.
1: So I don't really look at things like color, but... um,
0: Unfortunately, it's become such a hot topic, but... But you
1: have to look at people. You have... you. I don't know if you know anybody, but you have people that... There's people that play the victim and people that say, okay this is bad. It's a
0: terrible situation. In Seattle what fix am it?
1: I <laughs> going to do about it?
0: Yeah.
1: Or the other person said, this is bad. What is the government going to do about it? Yeah. Two different mindsets. Yeah. So you have the Morgan Freemans of the world. You have the Candace Owens. You have uh, Denzel Washington. You, I, you know, I can tick off
2: yeah.
1: hundreds of black people and people that I don't even know that have said, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to get an education. I'm going to do what I need to do. The same as any poor white person has to do.
0: But I think that's the that the argument I've heard a lot of times is, you know, th- those people who have made that choice still started out in what some would argue is a system that is um, bent against them. Um, and I, again, I'm, I'm not really sure let where let I stand Let me tell you something.
1: There. We have affirmative action after 9-11, uh, my second, my middle son had just finished firefighting academy in Johnson County and he graduated two weeks after a 9-11. There was one, if I think I remember correctly, there was one or two openings for a firefighter in Fort Worth. So he applied for it. He went there to take the test. 500 people showed up to take that test.
0: That's actually low. I, know. I think I think last year was two thousand.
1: Okay. Okay. So five hundred people, because you know everybody wants to be a fireman at that time. People that don't even know that they are suited to being a fireman. Yeah. Okay. My son had already been through the academy. He was he knew he was perfectly suited for that. So if you're a veteran, you automatically get ten points. If you are a person of color, you automatically get ten points. So my son could get a hundred, but the person of color or the vet. Who got 90, got the same score. And because of affirmative action, they're not going to hire my son, the white boy. So there's all this affirmative action. You have people that um, qualify for affirmative action that are not, uh, don't have the aptitude for the job, they're not really qualified, but they're hired anyway because, if, boy, if you're white and you're, if you're a woman and you're black, they kill two birds with one stone. Okay? Now, I don't resent them getting jobs. I think everybody should get a job because you're qualified for it, mm-hmm. not because of your color or your, if you're, you're a female or male or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so they, you know, we've got all these available, you know, people, kids get into college, you know, on affirmative action. Um, mm-hmm. I've lived in the black community. I've been around the black community. I'm not just some white girl that has, doesn't know anybody. I just have a black friend on Facebook like some of these people <laughs> do, you know. Well, my black friend on Facebook said, yeah, you don't even know that person. You know, I've lived in the ghetto of Milwaukee. okay. I went to college for a semester in a cultural exchange program at Grambling College my junior year. All black college. Mm. Uh, It doesn't make me an excerpt. It doesn't make me anything. But I've worked in, like I said, charities. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. uh, You know, I've been, I have friends. I know people and I, you know, I'm on a personal basis with these people. And we all have different opinions. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. But I, you know, I'm not just not some, you know, idealistic, uh, white liberal with doesn't, doesn't, you know, that lives in their, uh, mansion, you know, in their gated community and thinking they know something that what black people need, you know, the differences between anybody, I mean, you know, you and I have different opinions about different things. Mm -hmm. Okay. We pretty much grew up in a middle-class white environment, you know, and then of course I'm older, so I've had other experiences. Um, but black people aren't, you can't just talk to one black person and, and they share their perspective and think that's what all black people think.
0: Oh, no, definitely not. Yeah. That's, that's definitely no, what I am saying. No, I know you yeah. weren't.
1: Yeah. So you have all these other perspective of black people that are going by the droves to vote for Trump. Hmm. Because they say he's, he's done something with our black community, you yeah. know um Candace Owens she's the squeakiest wheel. Yeah, you know? She's very vocal. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um but, you know, I've I've seen interviews with um oh I can't think of his name. Morgan Freeman. Yeah. You know. He's very he grew up in Mississippi. That's gotta be the worst place to yeah. grow up back in his day. When you could bust down the door while you're eating supper and drag somebody out and lynch him out in a tree without a question asked. How, how old is he? Do you know? Well, he's older than me. I'm pretty sure. I bet he's pushing 80.
0: Oh no! I love his voice. It's pretty great. You know, <laughs> I can right? fall asleep to his voice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's not having any of this.
0: I, I guess my thing about all this is like, I, I think I was just, uh, I, I didn't really know. Like, I I read the research. I read all the, I watched all the videos. Um, I came, I came kind of came to a point where I was like, Hey, like. Uh, maybe I don't really know a lot, but I just I want to go talk to some people, some of my friends and see where they're coming from, like, mm-hmm. like, what's up? Um, and from from my conversations with a variety of different both African-Americans, minority, different minorities, white people, whatever it is about race. Um, there is something different um, that I don't really understand that I, I can't really connect with because, you know, my great grandfather didn't get lynched. You know, uh-huh. my uh, I don't have five cousins who were killed by cops, right? So, I can see how, like, from uh, saying the nuclear family, if you're one family and you have five cousins killed by cops and you had you know, your entire family two generations removed in slavery, I could see how there could be those mindsets, you know?
1: Absolutely, I agree. And I think some it's kind of it might be genetic. I mean you can pass things down. So I think it's called that, the study
0: that, of epigenetics. Yeah,
1: the the anger in those blacks that have a victim mentality, that's been passed on from generation to generation. Okay? That's that's what that is. And then the others who do not have a victim mentality, that way of thinking has been passed on within their family line. From mm-hmm. Generation So they have a Different outlook on how to approach life. Um, that's that's very true, You know, I grew up in a home that said, "People are people. Doesn't matter." I mean, there's cultural differences. That's fact. Okay, um, but bottom line, we're all human beings with the same needs. As anyone
0: do you think yeah. that if, if these type of conversations happen more within the African African American community that a lot of the issues that are coming out today and a lot of the protests that are happening would happen do you, I feel like a lot of like the the uh, African American community the black community like just want to be heard and I wonder if we just as people just started talking to man like what's up like
1: yeah how- I think I, yeah we need to dialogue we need to listen and not debate debating is is uh, uh, is not fruitful except for the listener because mm-hmm. the debaters are not there to learn something they're there to
0: prove the other wrong to
1: counter yeah. yeah that's their job <laughs> but to listen to them now that's yeah. helpful and so that's but what I used to do uh-huh.
0: I used to work with uh, again a variety of different people and one of my friends you know came up to me and we were just talking about the very first round I think it was the forgot uh, oh I some again, a, a black guy got killed by a white cop and we were talking about it and it was probably four years ago, three four years ago. And uh, I, I took the stance of debate and I, I was wrong. Like I, I quoted all the numbers like I was very I'm all about stats you know, well, it's this many people get killed by cops. Well then this many Mexicans get killed by cops. So like, you can't really have a leg to stand on. He just completely dismissed me. And I was wrong in that point. Like that was a situation where I learned from, I still remember it was four years ago, three, four years ago. And Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from that time. Like, I don't, I don't want to debate. I just want to learn. Like I, I was, I lost a friend that day.
1: Oh yeah. You know,
0: we, we, we haven't spoken since.
1: Yeah. Well, that happens in religious in religion, too. It happens
0: all over the place. Yeah, I it, mean, specifically the time, but yeah.
1: the things that you're passionate about. Yeah. Like but I just want
0: to go and talk to people and learn from them. And
1: that's I think when you went back to social media, that's perhaps one of the outcomes of it, because it's a faceless communication and you can spit out what you want without looking at somebody in the eye. You know, would you really say that? So, I, I'm very careful when I put something on social media that I don't use uh, extremist language and like pounding somebody, mm. you know, with my verbiage. Um, I'll say what I want to say, but I like to say it softened, even though maybe what I'm saying is completely opposite of what <laughs> somebody may believe. Yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, if you're throwing the mud in somebody's face. They're not going to listen to you.
0: Do you yeah. think Facebook is the best uh, outlet for that? Because even now, they have up their algorithms are a lot different now. Where yeah. where you only like, you may have you know five hundred friends or three hundred friends, whatever, but twenty of them may only see your posts, and you may only see twenty of your friends' posts. And it's actually an algorithm that creates a confirmation bias. Like the most engagements are the are the people who are going to be liking it. So the more people that like your posts. Those are the people who are going to be only seeing your post, not the people that yeah. m- you might have a healthy discussion with. So it's, it's honestly a confirmation yeah. bias machine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like that either. It wasn't like that because I've been on there. Yeah, know, it's changed. Time. So but yeah, so we need more face to face. But with the Internet and cell phone era, people have retreated. Uh, you know, you see people walking down the street on their phones with the next person instead of communicating with them person that they're you, sitting okay with. so
0: you have to watch uh the social dilemma on Netflix on netflix
1: oh i'm not on netflix anymore
0: oh i know okay Dude. that's fair that's yeah. fair strong work props
1: yeah
0: um but it, it talks about all the social media giants how they came to be why people are literally walking down the street zero eye contact because of the engagement that their phone and social media is giving them, and their um, the engineers talk about why that is, and they go pretty deep in, into how um, it's they construct engagement algorithms based on a person's psyche. So it's they're learning how to change behavior based on how much they get someone to engage with a certain topic. Wow. So they can literally brainwash. And that's one of the engineers said that he goes, you're literally getting brainwashed. It's not just a um, fun thing where you connect with friends. No, like you, you get the things that pop in front of your feed are directly or indirectly changing how you think. Mm -hmm. And you're not even realizing it. And this is from somebody who created the algorithm. Isn't that crazy?
1: Hence the need to ask questions
0: yeah and he yeah. talked about how uh like governments are being toppled i think was it brazil recently hmm. um something i i don't know i didn't do a follow-up research on it but they talk about how like brazil the entire election cycle got completely whacked and somebody else that wasn't supposed to get the presidency got it because well, of social media
1: the guy that was determined I, to wipe out the the uh junk amazon jungle that's um, that, was that
0: sounds familiar. It was something yeah. crazy, but they, they went into this yeah. long spiel yeah. about how literally social media can topple governments now based on the highest bidder mm-hmm. because of the algorithms that are now smarter than us. You know, did you ever watch iRobot? Yes. Yeah, uh, that so movie with Will Smith and the, okay. and the robots were yeah. realized that they're more important and so they have to entrap humanity because it's protecting them.
2: Yeah.
0: And He said, that's basically what we are now. The algorithms have gotten so smart within social media that um, we can no longer keep up. It's thinking for itself and making decisions based on what it thinks is best for that user. Wow. Scary. That's insane. We've already gotten to that point of AI taking over.
1: Yeah.
0: And we're not even realizing it.
2: Mm.
0: Well, Mrs. White, it's already nine (laughs) o'clock. We've been at this for almost two hours now. Mm. This was fun.
1: It was fun.
0: I loved having you on. Well, I guess we should wrap. I could I could probably go on longer,
1: <laughs> but nobody would listen to us.
0: <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care. I was, I was telling um, my my wife. I was like, I don't really care. Like who listens, man? I just like talking. If if I have fifty listeners or hundred listeners, I it's, mean, it's whatever. Like, oh, wow. we're just talking about conversation uh, topics that are hard to talk about. Yes. And no matter where you stand on something or I stand on something, like we're walking out of the room. Still hugging bye and still
2: friends. No matter what it is. That's
1: right. So I'd
0: love to have you on again, but
1: uh-huh. I'll call you up. You will.
0: You live what, two blocks away?
1: Well, not very long, not very far. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much, Mrs. Yeah. Well,
1: you're welcome. It's been a pleasure.
0: Let's see ya.